So hello, welcome to the Beats and Bleeps podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. Today I'm joined by composer Pete Frogs. How are you today, Pete? Um, I, I mean, I'm fine. Uh, I'm still recovering from COVID, which is not the best, but, uh, you know, I, I'm doing okay, I guess. Uh, glad to hear you're okay and yeah very thankful to have you here um so i mean where i normally start off the interview is your sort of origin story as such as to how you got into making music and working in making music for video games basically right um right the the villain villain origin story right (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) right so yeah for me um well, the the thing is that this is not my first job because uh, I, I, you know, my first job was uh, teaching English at the high school level in, in France, where, where I'm from and where I live at the moment. Uh, so I did that for, um, I think, six years. And uh, yeah, I guess I got fed up with it, uh, especially during the last year of it. Yeah. And I, I just decided to... Uh, you know, do something else, basically, and uh, yeah, like uh, you know, music ha- has always—I mean, not always, I guess—but music has been my passion for many years, and I've, you know, I've been wanting to do music full time for a long time. But I guess I, um, you know, I thought about going full time on music for for uh, for a while, but um, not really considering video game music specifically and i guess like that whole idea i really started considering as i was uh you know contemplating um you know giving up on my my job as a teacher because i thought you know probably that's going to be uh um yeah like you know a pretty good way to uh make a living um and yeah i I guess like (laughs) before i i got into it i had maybe some misconceptions some misconceptions about how it really worked and all that i mean when i got started i uh i was definitely in for a surprise as to oh actually uh finding a job in this industry is actually really really difficult and you know way more difficult than i originally anticipated um but yeah i mean i guess i guess basically that's that's the uh origin story for you i mean uh, um yeah i'm i'm a big um uh, big music fan and i played a lot of video games when i was a kid so i do have a i guess a pretty decent knowledge of video game music so yeah like you know i guess all of those things kind of you know led to the point where i'm at right now yeah so when you made the decision to pursue video games um, composing, was that a conscious thing that you specifically wanted to get into video games or is it just a case of anything music-wise that pays the bills, games, films, just general composing? Well, so the thing is, I, I guess, like, I didn't really care, you know, what I would be doing. I, I knew that I really wanted to do music, but... I guess when I got started, my state of mind was, you know, whatever works is is going to be good enough for me. Uh, so yeah, at first I was I was considering quite a lot of things. Uh, like I mean, you know, video game music was one of them. Um, I knew a little bit because you know bef- before um, 
you know, before I started, uh, before I, I started doing video game music, I was making electronic music and, you know, I guess making a little bit of money that way. So I knew that I knew enough that, you know, that it, it, it would not be possible to, uh, you know, uh, sustain myself on this, this type of, of, of income. But, yeah, like I was considering many different things, and I guess like from the start, I kind of, um, I kind of knew that it would be better if I sort of like picked one thing and tried to fo focus my efforts on that thing that on that thing rather than trying to do, you know, many different things at the same time and uh, you know have all of them, uh, you know, end up not working. Uh, and I, I guess I kind of like picked video game music uh even though i had I, I didn't really have any experience doing video game music specifically and i i guess i did that because um yeah because i um i i, I guess i i like video game music and I, I was i guess i was pretty confident that that i, I would be able to uh to you know <laughs> make it i guess yeah <laughs> yeah so, I mean, with that, was it just a case of applying for things as they came up and sending portfolios across? Um, I know you did a lot of sort of game jams and things. Is that a case of building the portfolio as well as maybe working out how music integrates into a, into a game? Yeah, actually, so the, the whole finding a job part is, uh, I guess it's one of those things that that basically I... I realized once I, you know, was invested in this, that it was actually um, way more difficult than I thought. Because I guess, like, from the outside looking in, uh, my my belief was that it was basically, I guess, you know, kind of a numbers game. You know, you contact a lot of devs and you, yeah, like, you uh, apply for positions and whatever. And when I was actually in that position i realized that um well first you actually don't really get many positions to apply to uh you know composer positions those are definitely very rare uh these days and um and then you know talking to devs like the thing is uh so many devs have a lot of composers talking to them i mean you have yeah you have like a lot of uh I guess desperate people, um, you know, talking to uh, whoever uh, about, yeah, you know, I'm trying to, uh, you know, get a project to work on and so on. Um, I mean, I remember realizing that, uh, for example, going on Discord and, uh, you know, joining those Discord channels that people use to, um, uh, you know, post about, uh, you know, basically some work that they need done whether that's like paid or unpaid work and uh basically my thinking was that and you know something that i heard talking to uh, other composers and so on is that for someone who's just getting into this actually doing uh unpaid work is uh, you know probably you know it's 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 like tough to like expect to get better than this when you're just starting out so it was like Okay, well, you know, whatever, let's let's try it out. So I went on those Discord servers trying to find a project and so on. And I realized that even for those unpaid jobs, there was actually a lot of competition. I talked to devs who told me that they had been contacted by 
uh, many, many composers, and some of them even did uh, kind of like composer tryouts. You know, they, they would ask for a sample of original music and, you know, for basically unpaid work, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, I guess, like, when I realized that, I thought, yeah, okay, well, <laughs> it's, it's probably, yeah, it's probably not not going to be that easy, but, yeah, anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, basically, um, I guess what I realized is that uh, maybe just talking to a lot of people and so on, like maybe I maybe that just wouldn't work. So I guess something that I did pretty early on that was actually I was actually advised to do this by uh, a good friend of mine who uh, who's basically um, a uh, business coach for uh, game composers uh, whose name is Ben. Shout out to Ben if you're listening to this. Uh, but yeah, he, his advice was to uh, produce any type of content that would. Uh, you know, draw people in, basically. Uh, so for, for me, what I did was uh, make uh, cover tracks of uh, video game music. So I started doing this uh, as soon as, uh, you know, I had everything set up, you know, my uh, social media accounts and my website and so on. And uh, I, I think, I think you know, I think that was the right decision <laughs> looking back. Uh, but, you know, anyway, it's like, I, I I needed to do I needed something to do anyway. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, with the game jams you did, there was Tilt, which I believe is sort of like a fighting game where you're on a sloping platform and you kind of have to push the other person off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what was the sort of time scales with that? Because I know game jams themselves can be like forty eight hours a week and obviously under a lot of pressure to get soundtrack and sort of what was the sort of process for how that worked and the general ideas yeah yeah this this, this is a nice story actually so yeah the, the, this game is called tilt and um uh so it was made during the uh global game jam this year in in january i believe and and so the thing is so at first i um i was supposed to do the global game jam uh, in person um you know i actually met the people who organized the you know the in person uh chapter of the the global game jam uh, in the the you know cl- the nearest uh, big city th- to me basically and i was and i was excited to do that but because of uh you know covid regulations and so on uh the thing was canceled so it happened online on discord and yeah but the thing is the game you're talking about the uh, finding game tilt um it was made by uh, a team of you know i'm not counting me a team of uh, five people i believe and so it's actually a friend of mine and usually what he does is that um he actually uh invites uh friends to his place he has a a, a nice house uh, that's not not too far from here and uh yeah it was it was made in in 48 hours but the the funny thing is that uh this friend of mine was uh you know had the whole team uh staying at his place and uh but the game jam was happening on discord and you know i was uh at my place i was on discord so the thing is because they were all together uh they really didn't you know go on discord that much to 
post anything about the game. So I was actually in the dark for, uh, you know, majority of the time. Like, you know, they basically told me uh, the, uh, uh, basically that it was a fighting game and the general theme of the game, that it was going to be like, you know, angel versus demon and so on. And they told me that they liked, uh, you know, rock and metal music. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just uh, write uh, write a, a metal track for, for this, <laughs> and uh, I, I think I wrote most of it during the during the night, you know, between you know Saturday and and Sunday, basically. Uh, yeah, most of it was done d- during that time. Yeah, just just send them whatever I came up with, and they're like, oh, okay, this is this is great. Let's uh, let's just roll with that. And yeah, <laughs> I think I think I actually I think I actually. Uh, saw basically the you know gameplay for the game uh you know right when the the game jam was over and every team was basically presenting the the games that they came up with like you know that was my uh you know my first real introduction introduction to the gameplay of the game i was like okay well it's cool it fits the gameplay i guess right (laughs) i think that's kind of one of the downsides to that sort of hybrid working especially if there's just like a group of people doing things together and then one person who's you know coming in remotely it can kind of feel like a bit of a a bit of a disconnect really between the two parts yeah well you know during the so for the same jam i was actually i i worked on another uh game that's called uh fly me to the moon that's uh it's a, it's a completely different type of game and yeah, like that one, everybody, you know, all of us on the team were both, you know, uh, working from our own homes and using Discord a lot and having, uh, you know, holding meetings on Discord and so on. So, the, yeah, that, that was definitely a very different process. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, game jams, game jams, uh, I feel like, are, you know, really fun. Uh, I mean, d- d- I guess it doesn't really matter um uh, what you came up, what, what you come up with at the end, uh, you know, I've worked on a game that I think was like never finished. Like even though the the guys, uh, you know, kept working on it for you know weeks after the the jam ended, and it's you know they they didn't even like finish that. So, but it it doesn't really matter. Like um, just being invested in this thing for, um you know basically it, it it really doesn't take up a, a lot of your time in the like you know macro sense i guess because it's just one weekend but it's like for one weekend it's you're like 100 percent invested in this thing so and you know just that i think makes makes it worth it like doesn't really matter if the game is unfinished or whatever uh i mean that's that's how i feel anyway yeah so I mean, you you mentioned Flower Me to the Moon, which is um, another game jam, which is a browser-based sort of farming simulator kind of game. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like farming simulator. I, I think I think like right now it's it's become so um, like you know um, codified as uh, uh, as a term, right? Like yeah. you know, people use that term to uh, to uh, you know, talk about games like, you know, Stardew Valley and such. Uh, I, I think I would say it's maybe a bit more of a puzzle game, I guess, like, yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, obviously, um, like Flower Me to the Moon, it's still kind of like a very relaxed, peaceful game. And then working on that at the same time as working on a high energy fighting game was it's, you know, um, having to like balance the two different things at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what was the sort of idea and thoughts behind Flower Me to the Moon music wise? Yeah, flow me to the moon. So, um, so actually, that game. So that game actually uh, interesting, interesting uh, detail. I so I made the music and also um, sound design for that game. Um, so even though, like you know, def- definitely like you know, don't take the whatever version you might end up playing as uh, as like you know the uh, you know the intent that that I had when it comes to sound because. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, I I just like completely messed up the the levels of the the uh, sound effects when I exported them and and then the thing is I wasn't the one doing the audio programming so yeah the person who uh, the you know the programmer who was on the team he basically set the levels based on what sounded you know good to him but the thing is. It, you know, it, it really wasn't his role. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, I guess like for this game, um, so like when I got on the project, there was already a little bit of art ready for the for for that game, and I was immediately inspired by the art, and yeah, like you know, it gave me. I mean, yeah, you know, friend. Actually, she became a friend afterwards, uh, Mina, uh, who who did the art, and yeah, like you know, she he, she has this like very uh, um, kind of like cartoony um, pastel um, style that's that's very cute and uh, you know peaceful and and so on. So I kind of like immediately thought that um, some kind of um, you know lo-fi hip hop kind of vibe like i mean something relaxing basically would work um so yeah i just um i just uh started talking to the the people who were already on the team and i said yeah you know i'm i'm inspired by this like you know i have this in mind and they're all like yeah sure that that sounds good let's try it out so yeah basically the, the that was pretty much it yeah <laughs> So another thing you did was um, you worked on a game jam that was just making a soundtrack for a game where there was no game. So, I mean, I I can imagine that being quite difficult because instead of just thinking about making music itself, you've almost got to kind of think of a game in your head and then make music for that. So, I mean, yeah, I'm guessing that was like to build the portfolio, but was that like challenging and... Obviously, did you enjoy the sort of results of that? Yeah. So yeah, I think th- that was super interesting. So um, actually, um, uh, so it's called the uh, the OST Jam, and and they they did um, many more uh, afterwards. And yeah, I, th- that was the only one that I participated in. Um, but yeah, like I would encourage uh, you know composers listening. And on this podcast to uh, check them out because uh, I think I think it, it can be really a really nice opportunity to uh, you know work on work on a cool project. But yeah, like the the whole premise is that yeah, you're a composer and you write this OST for a game that doesn't exist, and then like the um, 
the uh, um, like you know you can choose either uh, a picture or uh, a phrase as uh, you know your source of inspiration, right? And the the phrase was uh, uh, a journey to remember. So, and then I kind of like thought that it would be interesting to basically like you know put a a bit of a, a bit of an unexpected spin on that phrase and like not a journey that you uh that you know you you will remember but like the goal of the journey is to remember and, and i kind of like thought about this game where you you know travel around trying to uh recover uh lost memories and so on yeah and um yeah, that one was super interesting. I actually remember that a friend of mine recommended this to me, uh, and he's—it's uh, actually pretty, pretty funny because uh, I, I met this guy back when I was studying to become an English teacher, and uh, at the moment he is uh, teaching uh, Italian, and uh, like you know, we have very similar um, situations, I guess, because uh, he is also basically on his way out of teaching and trying to become a, uh, um, a narrative designer full-time. He's already doing that, doing that uh, part-time, which, which is awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's like I, I talked to him. I told him that I wanted to uh, go into video game music, and he was like, yeah, you should really do this OST jam thing. Like, I think it would be uh, like, you know, the perfect opportunity for you. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's let's do it. So, it, it, so that that one was um, was held over uh, one week, which was nice because you know gives you more time than just like the uh, forty eight hours. And I actually remember like at the same moment, I was uh, uh, I, I was I was uh, one of the members of the of the jury for uh, an exam for um, basically uh, primary school teachers. <laughs> which which is something that I, I know nothing about, but they, you know, selected me to be a, one of, you know, one of the jury members. So I had to, like, do these exams for basically, like, it took up, like, you know, my, like, you know, the whole day from, from like, 8 to 8 a.m. to, uh, like, you know, I don't know, 4 p.m. something. And that was, like, super inconvenient because I wanted to have time to work on the, uh, the OST jam. So I, I, you know, I spent all the time that I had uh, outside of those exams, uh, doing, doing the uh, working on the OST, but yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that because I, I guess, like for me, it was the first time that I was writing music that was, you know, I guess like made for video games, even though it never uh, ended up in, in a video game. That's the whole point of the jam, right? But yeah, like you know, just uh, writing music with uh, chip tune instruments and so on. So yeah, it was it was really really fun. You know? So in terms of, um, like, obviously you alluded to doing chiptune and sort of electronical um, music, is that sort of the style you go for? And um, with that, it's like, um, what's your sort of setup? Do you just have a computer and a uh, software-based, or do you, do you have any hardware? And what's sort of, like, your process and ideas with composing and producing? Right, so... Um... Yeah, so actually, you know, the, the chiptune thing, I guess, like, that is very new because, you know, I, I guess, like, I, I started looking into that when I uh, basically decided that I would try to do uh, video game music. Um, I don't know, like, maybe because it's, I guess it's kind of uh, 
thought of as the kind of uh, you know quintessential uh, video game sound, right? Yeah. So I thought, hey, I, I guess like I guess, uh, um, yeah, I kind of thought to myself, uh, yeah, you know, if you're going to be a video game composer, you you you, you got to have some chiptune chops, basically, or whatever. <laughs> Which you know, I, I actually I, I don't I, I don't believe that's true at all, but. Um, but you know, I wanted to try it out. So, so yeah, I started looking into, um, you know, basically uh, the the sounds of the the NES and the uh, the uh, Sega Genesis. Um, uh, and you know, prior to that, you know, my yeah, my background is in electronic music. Um, so I have a uh, a um, a project that's mainly uh, dark synthwave uh, and I guess like other electronic styles mixed in a little bit. That's called introspect, and yeah, I've been running that for um, about five, yeah, almost five years now. So I guess like a lot of my um, expertise, I guess, as a composer uh, came with that. And yeah, my setup, I I, I basically work within a. Uh, a DAW. Uh, I, I use uh, Logic Pro, and uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have any uh, analog gear whatsoever. Even though I, I thought about getting some at, at some point, because you know, especially because uh, within the uh, synthwave scene, there's uh, you know, you, you'll you'll find a lot of people who uh, um, who really value uh, analog gear uh, because of the. Uh, you know, authenticity of the sound and, and all that. And, and the uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, ex- yeah, true. Yeah, 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 true as well. Yeah, but yeah, no. For me, I I got started. I you know, I I I, um, I bought some 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 pretty decent um, synth uh, VSTs when when I got started, and I I learned to uh, to use those uh, pretty well. So I guess like. At some point, I, I thought that you know I, I would try to use that as much as I can, uh, making music instead of you know complicating things, uh, you know needlessly complicating things. I guess. Um, so yeah, I mean no, nothing nothing too special. I would say uh, about my setup, it's it's uh, I guess it's pretty uh, standard. Which you know, in in my opinion, I mean in my opinion, you know, your setup. I feel like it's really not that important. I feel I feel like you just need to have whatever setup you need to, uh, you know, express yourself artistically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, it's kind of like depends on style you're going for. Like, you, there's no point having twenty simps. Well, there's probably no point having twenty simps anyway. And I'm sure someone's going to tell me that they have twenty and need them. But you know, if you're going to do something that's solely real instrumentation you're probably not going to need that whereas you know if it's more electronic you it is it kind of depends on what you want and it's kind of a, a horses for courses kind of expression thing but yeah like one thing i forgot to mention is that um i guess like one thing is that i i'm also a musician i play uh bass and uh and guitar and then you know keyboards, but you know when I play keyboards, it's only it's only like a MIDI keyboard. So like when you're using a MIDI keyboard, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really count, I guess. Oh, it counts. Um, but yeah, like um, yeah, I've 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 um, 
you know, recorded some live live instruments and used that a little bit in, in some of my music. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's like a nice tool to, to have uh, in your in your arsenal. Uh, yeah. So going back in just sort of general terms, what sort of like um, musicians, uh, bands inspired you, uh, inspired you to like take up music? Right. So, um, well, yeah, the thing is, it yeah, it really depends. Like, um, I guess if you're talking video game music, it, it, it's it's really different. Like, I, I guess like the the kind of things that I value in video game music are maybe different from the things that I value in, you know, <laughs> quote unquote regular music or, yeah. or something. But I mean, um, like growing up, I listened to a lot of metal music. Uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, industrial bands, like mainly uh, Nine Inch Nails is a very big influence for me. Um, I also, even though I guess like, I don't know if that's a big influence in terms of the music I write, but I really like, um, like, you know, 80s rock, uh, you know, the whole um, goth rock uh, era with, you know, The Cure and uh, Joy Division, all all that stuff. Uh, And then in terms of, um, in terms of electronic music, I guess, I guess I'm, pretty heavily influenced by um, like other uh, French electronic artists like, uh, you know, the, you know, Daft Punk, uh, Justice, uh, Gesaffelstein as well. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah. And then if you're talking about video game music, then it's, (laughs) it's really, it's really different. Right. Um, So growing up, like my, my big, uh, you know, reference uh, has always been uh, Nobuo Uematsu, uh, who did you know the uh, Final Fantasy OST. I mean, I'm saying it just in case someone doesn't know, but I guess <laughs> I guess most people know that. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I was a big JRPG fan uh, growing up, so yeah, I played a lot of uh, Final Fantasy and uh, you know other games by uh, SquareSoft. So you know the Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. Um, and then like, I guess before that, um, I, uh, so, you know, the first video game console that I had was, uh, the, uh, Sega Genesis. So played a lot of Sonic and, uh, Streets of Rage, which was awesome. And, uh, you know, <laughs> basically, uh, growing up and, um, and yeah, I, after I became a composer, it. It, it it was really funny because I, I really realized how like you know how important that that was in shaping my my taste in music because yeah like you know music that's uh, that's kind of similar or the, the you know music that inspired uh, the Sonic series or uh, Streets of Rage I usually tend to really like that kind of music so yeah. So yeah, I know you mentioned about um, Sonic and Streets of Rage, and um, I know you've recently released a cover of a track from Sonic. I can't remember the uh, the name of it. Uh, that was for Game Chops. I mean, is that that's available for people to listen pretty much everywhere? So um, 
like Spotify, Bandcamp, and stuff like that? Yeah, so it's it's not on Bandcamp at the moment um, because, but but it will be. It, it just uh, we just need to wait for the the full album that's a part of to release, and that will be on um, six, September sixteenth. Yeah, but it is available on Spotify right now. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's cool. So I know with um, Game Chops, they kind of do a lot of um, physical releases of the uh, soundtracks. Do you know if that's something that's going to happen or? you can't say so i mean i'm pretty sure i can say that there's there's no there are no plans for uh, a physical release yeah and yeah I, I don't i don't think there will be a physical release for for that album which you know would have been cool but i mean anyway it, it is going to be a, a pretty a pretty short album anyway so yeah <laughs> i mean i look forward to the whole album coming out um so you previously mentioned about some of the games you played growing up. Um, I mean, are you still, in inverted commas, a gamer now? And if so, what sort of uh, games are you playing at the moment? I mean, yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I mean, I would consider myself a gamer, even though it's. Uh, I guess it's a lot different now. Uh, the thing is, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I I played a ton of games, um, and. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, but I guess, like you know, there there wasn't, uh, I guess, anything too major uh, going on in my life. So, um, so yeah, it, it was it was nice having video games, and you know, if you've played uh, any of, any any of the uh, you know JRPGs, you know that these are extremely time consuming. So, I mean, it, it's 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 like yeah, there there are good games to play when you have. Yeah, like a lot of time to spend on them. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like afterwards, like, you know, when I started getting into music, which was uh, when I got to high school and I realized that I really liked music, uh, then I was like, well, I mean, it's it's probably going to be tough, uh, you know, playing video games as much as I, I used to if I want to focus on music as well, because, you know, the thing about music is, you know, it's the same, like it, it takes up uh, a lot of your time. And if you, I mean, that's my opinion, but, but, you know, if my opinion is that if you want to get any results or any of the results that you, you want to get when it comes to music, you know, whether that's composing or um, getting good at playing an instrument, then you have to be prepared to uh, spend a lot of time doing that. So I guess like that kind of like changed the way I approach games. I definitely, uh, definitely, you know, cut back on my, uh, you know, <laughs> consumption of video games. And it's, it also changed quite a bit because um, I got into, I guess, playing indie games. For me, playing indie games, that was definitely, uh, I mean, th- exactly the, 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 wor- the format that was perfect for me because a lot of indie games, um, you can uh you know play the game and finish the game in a r- relatively short amount of time uh, at least if you compare it to uh you know the big triple a games and so on and yeah and then they're cheaper so basically you know it's kind of like you know more bite size basically you can play one indie game uh it's going to you know basically take you i don't know maybe maybe even just one weekend basically and and then that's one experience that you had and then you can move on to another thing 
So, yeah, like these days, I play, I guess, like recently, I've been getting into, uh, I, I really like uh, roguelike games. And yeah, and re- recently, I've been playing a lot of uh, the uh, roguelike de- deck builder games. So, you know, the, the, the main one is Slave the Spire. It's like the one that started the, this whole trend of deck builder roguelikes, as, as, I mean, at least as far as, as I know. And then many other games kind of, uh, you know, jumped on the bandwagon and made games that were more or less uh, clones of uh, Slave the Spire, uh, sometimes with, a, you know, cool added twist, which, which is always, you know, always appreciated, I guess. So there's another one called uh, Monster Train that was really nice. I also played a little bit of uh, Griftlands um, that's in the same uh, category of, of games. And, yeah, and, you know, that that's pretty much it. Like, you know, uh, I, I actually really like roguelikes as well because uh, each playthrough is, is usually very short. Like, you know, it depends on, on the game, but usually between i don't know like 20 minutes and like two hours i guess would be the the range for uh your your average roguelike game so i i feel like it's really convenient when you're not like you know you you can't be uh um confident that you're gonna you know get to spend um like i don't know hours every day playing video games so uh so i i guess like in that case, it's it's really convenient because whenever you feel like playing a game, you can just uh, do one or two playthroughs of a, a roguelike game, and then you can go back to whatever it is you, you you were doing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it helps you have the sort of like full game experience in the shorter time scale rather than sinking fifty hours into a JRPG or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, honestly. Like the, you know that the whole experience, I, I it, yeah, it's been a really long time since I last played a, like an actual JRPG, and I actually to to be completely honest with you, it's like, uh, I don't, I, yeah, I I don't know if uh, I'm like you know prepared to like go back to that at the moment, yeah, but I don't know, we'll see, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think part of it's fairly daunting that you're like, oh, I need to fit this much in and it's trying to work out how you you know you manage that time when it's like a 50 60 hour game or something yeah but you know in a way like in a way it's kind of you know what i'm saying is it's kind of bullshit when you think about it because like when i when i when i load onto my steam account and i see like you know how many hours i've spent uh, playing roguelike games it's like you know way more than it would ever take me to to do like uh even like multiple playthroughs of uh, of like a JRPG, <laughs> so so yeah, it's uh, I guess it's it's not only the the time investment; it's also that, um, well, you know, I guess if I played a JRPG today, I would be, I guess I would be way more sensitive to certain things than you know. I I, I guess I like I would care about things that are really different than the, the things I used to care about. Like, you know, for example, I actually remember um, I, I played, um, I, I started playing Undertale a little bit, um, which is, I mean, which is definitely not your your average JRPG, right? But but you can tell that it was, I mean, you know, it's, it's like inspired by this genre for sure. But yeah, like just the, uh, 
uh, random encounter system that you have in Undertale, like that was enough to like completely, uh, like you know, get me off the game. Um, yeah, like at one point I was I was like so fed up with this that I just decided actually let, let's actually I don't I don't I don't know if I want to keep playing this game. So I feel like if if I went back to uh, JRPGs or like you know played a like a new JRPG or something. Um, I would be very, uh, like, you know, I, w I would care a lot about the, I guess, like, game systems and game mechanics that they have. Because uh, I feel like, yeah, I feel like a lot of the old JRPGs that I used to play, those had some, some pretty bad game mechanics, to be honest. Like, you know, I mean, you know, portions of the game that were definitely not that fun or that could definitely be improved right but then i guess like back then that wasn't really the the main point like i guess the i guess the the main point back then was the story and uh, you know the immersion and and you know that stuff they they did really well and uh, they still do today i would say yeah i mean now that we're older i kind of feel like when you go back and play some older games you kind of find like some mechanics and stuff that's just really grating and you kind of forgot that that's what we used to put up with yeah true yeah i mean yeah i agree i'm I, I, you know i think in a way it's a good thing because it, it it shows that i guess like you know video games like uh collectively uh, are are getting better right if like yeah you play an old title and it if if it seems outdated in whatever aspect, then I guess like yeah, you can uh, see the silver lining and and think oh that's because like we've found like better ways of uh, you know doing this basically. So yeah. <laughs> so from I know from the messages um, you mentioned you're working on Turbo Shell, which is a like a precision platformer as such. Um, and I mean, obviously, the music's synth wavy, very high energy, and good yeah. fun, and like very bouncy. Um, so, with with that, is there a, a scheduled release date for the full version of the game yet? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah. So the the devs told me that um, uh, the full release, I think, is planned for uh, the first quarter of uh, twenty twenty three. So yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty cool, and. Uh, uh, there's also um, they're also planning on they they have a demo that's um, that's that's playable uh, for free at the moment uh, on Steam, um, and um, there's a plan to um, uh, basically update the demo. Uh, you know, have have a new demo available. I think by um, mid October because uh, the, the the devs are going to be presenting the game at a uh, at a conference and I think they want to update the demo and so the plan is for the the updated de demo to include uh, my music uh, which which you know is uh, is pretty exciting <laughs> so I mean with um, turbo shell will this be your first sort of um, proper game release? Yeah, yeah, you know that 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 is uh, part of why it's uh, it's so it's so exciting. Yeah, because uh, it's like you know, not counting game jam games. Um, yeah, it will it would be the 
like my first uh, main uh, video game release. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean it's exciting. Um, I mean, with that sort of style of game, when I played the demo and stuff, it's um, that like precision platformer thing. I can find it being a bit infuriating at times when you can't do it and um goes back to like what we mentioned previously about having less time um to play games and stuff and in my head it's like i don't know if i want to spend time like playing games that's basically reminding me i'm not very good at playing games yeah (laughs) yeah i know yeah it's like it's like a, a whole category of games right you know uh um yeah, for example, I mean, not not too long ago, I played uh, Celeste, which <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, <laughs> which, which which I thought was awesome, um, and I, I really enjoyed it. And and of course, you know, the music is is amazing. Um, but but yeah, like honestly, like the the difficulty in that game is can, can be super brutal. Like uh, yeah, uh, it's 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 really interesting, really, because uh, the, the the game has. Uh, a message uh, of you know self acceptance and, and so on, but but to to me, I, I mean, I always felt like it it was kind of basically contradictory with uh, just like how difficult the game was, right? <laughs> um, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that with the story, I mean, not going to ruin it there for anyone that's not played it, but they've got this nice, lovely story and then a really challenging game. And it's like, oh, okay. Is, is part of it that it's like, it's a metaphor that you, you have to accept your true self or, I mean, I don't know that I didn't write it, but you know, maybe that, maybe they just wanted people to, to suffer, to enjoy the really nice storyline. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, from my perspective, the way I hear it is, well, Okay, I'll I'll uh, accept myself, but only once I have beaten the last level of Celeste, you know. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, okay, uh, you know, we're good now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was fine. And then they went and released the extra chapter after that, and it's like, oh, I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, the last chapter. Yeah, because I mean, when I played the game, the 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 last chapter was already added to it and uh, yeah and then uh, i i remember um talking to people um about the game and you know and you know as i was as we were talking about the game i realized that you know they played the game back you know back when it came out before they added that new chapter i was like well to be honest you really haven't experienced like you know what this game can offer in terms of difficulty like you, you need to go back and and see for yourself <laughs> Yeah. So um yeah, let's um move on to the quick fire questions. Oh right. So um yeah, so what's your uh first thing that comes to mind, your favorite video game of all time? Um Final Fantasy Seven. Ah, classic. I mean, going back to Rage Inducing, um game mechanics so i was reminded of the uh chocobo breeding and there was just no need for that to be so long-winded i mean true yeah it, it was cool but then like when i think when i think about it now i feel like that stuff was like impossible like i mean if you wanted to get the i think it was the gold chocobo that allowed you to get to the that that cave and you get the uh like you know the the knights of the round table uh summon yeah but like getting to that point without any help 
I mean, I, I, f I feel like that was completely impossible because you have to like, you have to uh, like, you know, race the, I mean, you, you have to bring your, the Chugabos to the races so that they get stronger. And if you don't do that, then you don't basically unlock the, you know, the, the, the special Chugabos or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was that sort of like magical formula you had to find. Yeah. And obviously it's fine now with the internet to Google it. Yeah, exactly. But um, obviously like back in a day where you, you didn't know, you're just supposed to spend hours like trial and error trying to get it to work or, you know, I mean, I guess it's one of those where a lot of people would buy the guidebook and stuff like that back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember. Like, I think I think when I when I did it, I guess like I guess I saw it on the internet. Like, I think yeah, I think the internet was was around. Yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah, def definitely yeah, that that was uh, yeah. But I mean, you know, when, when I say Final Fantasy VII, I guess like for me, it's it's really I guess like you know what remains is really like you know the 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 uh, emotion behind that game and and also. Um, also, like you know, thinking about it now, um, I guess like back when I played it, um, a lot of the political message of the game I didn't really understand, uh, to be honest. But thinking back on it, I realize how, like you know, how interesting the political message is. Like, yeah, like the whole, uh, like the whole. Um, you know, um, environmentalism uh, aspect of it, and and the uh, anti-capitalism. Um, yeah, I think I think that's great. So yeah, <laughs> I mean the amount of sort of like articles on global warming that I see that has the um, the Barrett uh, quote, the the planet's dying cloud thing on it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like yeah, it it feels in many ways. I feel like it it may, might even feel even more relevant today than it did back when it came out, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And I mean, obviously it's been uh, remade, so now a whole new uh, generation can appreciate that meme. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, carrying on with the uh, quickfire questions, what is your favourite musical artist of all time? Yeah, this one is really tough. Uh, I think... Um, I think I'll say uh, Nine Inch Nails, you know, even though I, I don't listen to, to him as much as I, as I used to, right? But I, got, I guess I, I, would, I would have to uh, give it, give it to, to him on this one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a solid choice. So, yeah, next question. What is your favorite game soundtrack of all time? Yeah, yeah this one is, like, super tough, Uh I don't think it's honestly I don't think I can like give you one answer but I guess I guess I can say um you know Streets of Rage uh Final Fantasy I think Final Fantasy 9 actually um even though you know Final Fantasy 7 is it's it's like so hard to like choose uh between those two right um yeah and I, I think yeah, I, th I, th I think those are are two uh, good choices, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, in my head, there was the thing with the um, 
PlayStation Final Fantasy games, the ones that were made for that, so like 7, 8, and 9, in my head, they were kind of like the first sort of soundtracks that really took advantage of having like um, basically CD audio, because obviously they were all like uh, fully orchestrated with real instruments and stuff. And I do find like on the uh, PS1, like a lot of the sort of soundtracks were licensed music. And I mean, even though the like previous Final Fantasy game soundtracks were magical, I did think that put them to another level. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, but you know, th- that being said, I mean, uh, I feel I feel like, yeah, I mean, for, for me, uh, the Sega Genesis had some awesome music. Like, even though it's, oh, like, yeah. it's like totally, uh, like, I mean, back, back during that era right when you had the, the the genesis and the super nintendo actually you know the super nintendo could get kind of close to the that orchestral sound because it used samples even though uh, like you know they were you know very crappy samples but at least it like it sounded more or less like you know strings or a trumpet or something but like yeah the genesis like you know the, had no way of, of doing that like you know and on the genesis it's like it's like kind of impossible to uh, to like make something sound like strings or like a flute or like any kind of wind instrument. I mean, it's kind of like they they all sound kind of like you know electronic synthesized sounds, which is what 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 they are. <laughs> but then, yeah, but then like people were able to make like really really uh, memorable music, you know, on 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 that platform. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's always impressed me with um, like some of the soundtracks that have been written for older systems, especially with like how restrictive the sounds are that they could use. Yeah, yeah, and I remember like that. That was actually uh, it's it's one track that I wrote. It's it's called uh, "Thrill of Spark," and I, I wrote this. That was actually like my first um, um, like uh, actual commission as a video game composer. And uh, I wrote this for uh, for a friend of mine who wanted to uh, make a modded character for uh, a game called Rivals of Ether, which is basically um, like like a, like a retro version of Smash in a way. Uh, and and uh, yeah, and I, I remember I was um, I wanted to like well, you know, the my friend wanted something that sounded a little bit chiptuny, right? So I, uh, I, I pull a lot of inspiration from, uh, um, you know, for example, tracks from the Sonic games. And, and actually, like, I, I was studying how the, some of that music was made. And yeah, like, people talk a lot about uh, how the limitations can uh, breed creativity. And it, it, it is really true, because, for example, what I realize is that on that hardware, well, you're limited in terms of uh, the basically how many voices can be playing at, at, at once. And that restricts you in terms of, uh, for example, the harmony you're using. Like, you know, what chords are you going to use? Because, like, you know, I guess in a way, what chords you can use are, you know, depends on, like, how many notes can sound at the same time. Even though, of course, like, you know, you have ways around that, like, you know, you can use uh, arpeggios and stuff and you, you can you can kind of like cheat a little bit. But in a way, it's it's it depends on that. And yeah, I realized that in the Sonic games, they actually uh, omit a lot of the, the notes inside of chords. And in a way, 
like, you know, you might look at this and think that, oh, like, they had to because the console couldn't handle it otherwise. But actually, it actually sounds better the way they did it. Like, you know, that's what I realized. Like, you know, trying trying to, like, basically add the uh, missing notes back in. And I thought to myself, well, actually, I, I think it sounds worse. Like, I like the way it sounds better. And, yeah, th- those, like, uh, kind of, like... Uh, like a a really nice uh, aha moment <laughs> when I was working on this track. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds cool. So, um, in terms of soundtracks, what is your favorite soundtrack from a film or TV series? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, so, actually, this one is super hard to answer because, um, um, I don't know. Like, like the thing is, honestly, that there's not really. Uh, like a film or a TV show, I guess. Okay, like I guess. What, yeah, m- maybe what I can say is uh, there's a uh, yeah there's um, the movie Scarface, <laughs> right? That has this. Uh, I think the track was. I think it was written for the movie, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's called "Push It to the Limit," and it's this kind of uh, you know very 80s uh, sounding. It's it, you know it kind of like puts you in this uh, you know training montage. Uh, type of vibe. It's actually it's actually used during a montage during the film when they're uh, making a lot of money and bringing in you know bags of cash to the bank and <laughs> and and you have this like really uh, super cheesy uh, '80s sounding uh, track with uh, you know a lot of synth and and, and so on and yeah maybe i can i can use that as as my favorite yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that track's been used in so many sort of like montages of uh like training or kind of like yeah that sort of um, video really (laughs) actually another one that i'm that i'm thinking of right at this moment would be um twin peaks by uh by david lynch the the music i think was was really great um yeah i mean i've not um i've not watched twin peaks um fully yet but i mean obviously it's got quite a big cult following and it's got bigger in the last five years especially with the sort of um new series they did yeah so yeah i mean it's it's definitely one i'm interested in i mean yeah like the there's a season three that came out like um like a few years back um yeah, yeah, I, I loved it. I think I think it was a really nice addition to, because uh, it it was kind of like it was kind of weird. It felt a little bit like, like you know, a reboot basically. Because uh, like the the last season, like it had been, uh, more. I mean, more than uh, twenty years. I think. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's something along those lines. I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, um, so for the final of the quickfire questions, what is your favorite individual track from a game soundtrack? Oh yeah, this this one is tough. Um, I guess, um, ah, yeah, that's really tough. I, I guess I would say "You're Not Alone," or actually, just I think the actual name of the song is "Not Alone" from uh, Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, yeah, good show. Um. And then I guess like, like uh, uh, another one would be um, uh, the uh, Hydro City. Uh, so Hydro City uh, Part Two, or like uh, Act, yeah, Act Two. 
from Sonic 3. Oh, cool. Awesome, yeah. Um, I mean, Sonic soundtracks just go so hard. They're just like continuous pounding energy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, Sonic Freeze, the one from like the original Mega Drive trilogy that I've played the least of, so I, I need to remedy that soon. Yeah, I mean, it, it was such a cool game. Like, you, you know, they, they had the... Um... They also had the, the the weird thing with uh, Sonic and Knuckles, with uh, like you know the the cartridge. Like you you can basically plug Sonic Three into Sonic and Knuckles, and then you kind of like unlock the the full experience. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like Sega went mad in the nineties for just like oh yeah, you can plug loads of add-ons and stuff into your control uh, and <laughs> console and. Yeah, like here's a CD, here's a 32x. It's like calm down, Sega. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I, I never, uh, yeah, I, I never had any of the uh, any of the other stuff that they did, like you know the Sega CD or something. But yeah, yeah, I mean Sega just went a bit crazy during that time. <laughs> true. Yeah. But I mean, it worked well for some things. I mean, um, just kind of see them and it's like never sure if it's worth getting one and like what games and stuff were on it. <laughs> and yeah. then um yeah then obviously it's like oh is it is it worth it because they're actually quite expensive now and have most of the games been ported to other things but yeah i mean i'm sure someone will tell me it's worth the money yeah i mean i don't know it's like i, I never heard about the the sega cd when i you know back when i was growing out back when i was growing up and and back when it came out i didn't even know that it was a thing i found out about it later and uh I played, um, yeah, yeah. I, I played um, Sonic CD on an emulator, and uh, and yeah, I mean, actually, like you know, the music was awesome. Uh, the game itself was cool, but I, I didn't think it was like I didn't think it was like a better game than any of the Sonic games from you know the like the main roster on the Genesis. Um, yeah. I mean, I think like the Sega CD and the 32X were definitely more of a uh, American and like Japanese thing. I don't think we really got them in Europe. I mean, I didn't even know they were a thing until like I'd started like re- like trying to find retro games and stuff back in the the dawn of the internet when I first you know started using it for that sort of thing. Oh yeah, true. Oh yeah, so, yeah. Maybe you're you're thinking maybe it it. Didn't even uh, come out in in Europe. The Sega CD. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and again, I'm not sure if they did actually come out in Europe or if it was just a case of um, that they weren't marketed. So much yeah. of like the time they came out here, it's like the Saturn was probably coming out. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, it's like the the same thing with um, with Final Fantasy VII, right? Because uh, I mean, when it came out, I was I was actually you know pretty young and i i I had never heard about about that game right but but then yeah it was kind of weird because like when it came out in europe then people were like wait it's number seven like you know (laughs) because like yeah no i guess um yeah like all all of the previous ones only came out in japan or in the u.s Uh, i remember playing some of the previous titles uh Afterwards, because they they reissued some of them on on the PlayStation. Like I played the, uh, uh, I played uh, four, five, and six. Uh, not that long afterwards, yeah, and they were good. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I'm playing. While I say I'm playing, it's like I play a bit of it and then stop for a few months and then come back to it. But there's that confusing thing with Final Fantasy VI that when it was released in America, it was free, Final Fantasy yeah, free. True, yeah. And then it just got really confusing. And then obviously when like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's uh... Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of weird to think that yeah they they kind of like <laughs> numbered them differently, but then like I think they but then like they kind of like backtracked on that idea when when number seven came around because I guess like they realized uh, that it would like <laughs> create more confusion in the long run, so they were like okay let's. <laughs> Let's drop the act, right? <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would have been like seven in Japan, four in America, three in Europe. Yeah, oh yeah, that would be. Yeah, like yeah, like imagine if like if like it was called Final Fantasy, just Final Fantasy in Europe because it's like the first. <laughs> yeah, that would have made things like so complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it still got confusing when they decided that there's like a a ten two and a thirteen two. So yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, they got really confused. Yeah, so. yeah, true. Like even the Japanese numbering system is just kind of kind of crap. So. <laughs> so yeah, um, so we've talked about your past and your present. So. I mean, let's talk about your future and anything upcoming. Um, obviously, you've mentioned Turbo Shell. Uh, it's due to be released next year. Is there anything else um, yeah. you're working on currently? Yeah, so um, so I'm I'm also working with a, a game company called Feel Free Games um, on a game that is currently uh, unannounced. So I I can't say uh, anything about the game uh, apart from the fact that it's it's in development and uh yeah we're working on it um so yeah that that is actually that actually takes up the uh the majority of my time um and um it's it's a it's basically a very different process than working on turbo shell because turbo shell uh, uh, ha- it's a really small team. Uh, if I'm so, th- th- I think it's like one artist, one guy who does all the programming. Then there's um, my friend Ben that I me- that I mentioned uh, previously, uh, who does the sun design and who who actually uh, recommended me for this project. And then uh, yeah, right. And 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 then I'm doing the music. So it's a really small team, and I'm basically only. Uh, you know, uh, accountable to one person of the team who uh, there's only one person basically giving me directions uh, so that that really simplifies things for for me. And and also that person has a very, um, um, very precise idea about the kind of music that they want in the game, which which makes things really easy. Then for feel free games, that other game I'm working on, it's it's really different because uh, we're uh, we're a larger team, right? Basically, uh, t- twelve people total on the team, um, and and then uh, with that comes the <laughs> basically the fact that it's really difficult to find a consensus. Like you know, people have different opinions about what kind of music would work for the game in general, or also for you know a specific moment in the game so uh yeah it's it's a very very different process uh it's uh 
I guess like there's a lot of, there's a lot more uh, experimentation involved uh, because uh, you know whereas with Turbo Shell it's it's like pretty easy for me to to get an idea um, to get a pretty good idea about what they want and then I basically kind of deliver that to them and usually it yeah I mean so far it's it's been working well yeah and also for the the game I'm working on with. Uh, Feel for games. Um, I'm also doing the implementation of the music uh, okay. use, using Wise, and that was something that I, yeah, I I, uh, I didn't know anything about this stuff, so I had to uh, learn how to use Wise. I'm I'm still definitely not that great at it, but I'm good enough that I can, uh, you know, basically when I uh, finish a track, I can put it in the game. And uh, I don't know, make sure it loops if it needs to loop or something like that, and make sure that it it starts when you uh, at the at the right moment, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, actually, I kind of uh, appreciate it. Like, um, I guess back when I got started as a video game composer, my uh, my initial my initial uh, idea on this whole subject was that I would basically stay away from. Uh, the whole uh, technical uh, side of things because yeah i have like no knowledge when it comes to uh programming or whatever so i thought well you know i some somebody will have to take care of that and i'm just gonna you know make some music and that will be it but actually learning how to use this stuff i actually like it so it's it's you yeah. know it's going pretty well so far. <laughs> so that, yeah, that sounds cool. So um, obviously people can download and play the demo for Turbo Shuttle and wishlist it on Steam at the moment. Um, and in terms of the best place in keeping up with yourself, is that via your Twitter page? Yeah, I think, yeah, Twitter is the the platform that I'm most active on. Um, I also have, uh, also use uh, Facebook and I have a... Uh, a band camp and a um, and a um, a YouTube channel, but yeah, in terms of keeping up to date with uh, what I'm up to, Twitter is definitely the the best bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, excellent. I mean, that's kind of um, came to the end of the questions I had for yourself, Pete. Um, I mean, is there anything you would like to talk about at all? Uh, th- I think I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me on this. It was oh, it's been uh, a pleasure. Time talking with you about uh games and stuff i know it's been a it's been a pleasure and yeah thanks for taking time to chat to myself yeah well no that's it for me i'd once again like to thank pete for taking time out of his schedule to chat to myself and i'd like to thank yourselves for listening the next episode will be going live next thursday as always as we've now gone weekly with all our episodes thank you very much for listening and i hope you have a great day